0: God makes a statement about Abraham Uh, Abraham was called the friend of God and in uh, the book of Romans we find that, that God refers to Abraham as the father of our faith now I know that he was the beginning of the Jewish nation but he's also the father of faith and that's just simply because he just trusted God every step of the way. And, and we'll see that in the message this morning. Let's all stand together, if you would. And if your neighbor does not have a Bible, allow them to look on with you in the uh, uh, book of James, chapter 2. And uh, James chapter 2 and verse 23 says, And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we ask your blessings upon this message this morning. And, And as the scripture goes out, may it... May it do a ministry that only you can do in our hearts. We pray that the Spirit of God would have full freedom in here this morning. God, please have your will and have your way in each and every one of our hearts. And as you speak to our hearts, may we respond to you this morning. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. It says says in verse... uh, Verse 23, that uh, uh, Abraham believed God. Uh, Whenever God spoke, whenever God said something, he just believed him and he trusted what the Lord said. And the Bible says that that was imputed to him or put to his account for righteousness. Uh, I want you to take your Bibles now and turn with me to the book of Hebrews, which is just before the book of James. and Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews 11, we find a little bit more of, a, of an expanded explanation of what God's speaking of when he says that he was a friend of God and that he just simply believed God. When God told him to do something, he was, he was quick to act. If you look with me in Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to read a lengthy passage. We're going to begin in verse 8 and go on down to verse 19. That is, and heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. Now, the, the title that God gives to Abraham is he gives him the title of a friend of God. Now, understand, you know, whenever we, we look at any of these Bible characters, they're made out of the same flesh and blood that you and I are made out of. They have the same sinful nature that you and I have. Uh, however, they, they, have, they have chosen to follow God. And it was because of Abraham's faith and because of some of the surrenders that he made and the choices that he made that caused God to make that declaration that he was a friend of God. When Jesus was on the earth, he told his disciples, he said said simply that uh, you're my friends if you do what I say. If you do what I command you to do then you're my friend. So we have the we have the same opportunity to get that designation of being a friend of God as Abraham did. But there are three distinct things that uh, Abraham did that caused God to call him his friend. The first one we find in in uh, over in verse 8. In Hebrews 11.8, it says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. Uh, It it says that he obeyed, and he obeyed without question. Uh, You don't find any argument. You don't find any discussion going on back and forth between God and Abraham. I'm sure that he did not understand. He was told to leave his family. He was told to... Uh, bring bring his immediate family, but leave the rest of his family behind, and 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 to go. And he wasn't given a definite de- destination. He was just told to trust God by faith and to obey. And he did. He he didn't understand first. He obeyed first. He didn't have it all figured out first. He obeyed first. Uh, over in Psalm one eleven and verse ten it tells us that, uh, that, uh, uh, that obedience precedes understanding. It says, a, great, a good understanding have all they that keep his commandments. In other words, when we do what we're told, then God gives us understanding. He doesn't, he doesn't necessarily give, give it to us before, he gives it to us afterwards. I can remember after I had trusted Christ as my, my Savior. Um, I, it was about six months later, and I was confronted about the issue of baptism, and I realized that I had not been scripturally baptized according to the Bible. Baptism is, is not scriptural until after a person has trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior, and I had not done that yet. I'd been sprinkled as a baby, but I hadn't been biblically baptized, and uh, so I, I realized that that was necessary. I know in some churches what they do is they require like a two, three, sometimes a six-week 6, six week course before a person even gets baptized. I don't find that in the Scripture. In fact, over in Acts chapter 2, you find it says, they that gladly received his word were baptized. You think they all really understood everything about baptism? I know I didn't. I didn't. But I knew it was something that God wanted me to do because the Scripture said so. And so I, I just did it. Now, since then, I've understood more about baptism. I understand that it's an identification. I understand that it's, a, it's, a test, it's an outward testimony of what God has done inwardly. But you think about this, the same thing is also true of salvation. Uh, the day that I, that I trusted Christ as Savior, and the day that you trusted Christ as Savior, There's a myriad of things that happened that particular day. The Bible says that the day you got saved, you were forgiven all your sins. The day you got saved, you were uh, given a place in heaven. The day that you got saved, spiritually, you were already placed in heaven, according to Ephesians chapter 2. According to the scriptures, the day, the moment you got saved... The Holy Spirit sealed your soul with that Holy Spirit of promise, and there's just there's one thing after another after another that happened the day the the day that a person that happens the day that a person trusts Jesus Christ as Savior, but we don't we don't know those things. I didn't know that. All I knew was, I knew that I was a sinner. I knew that I was heading for hell because of my sin, and I deserved to burn forever. I knew that Jesus Christ died on the cross. He paid the full payment for my sin. I couldn't work for it. I couldn't get baptized for it. I couldn't go to church for it. None of those things counted because he did the total work on the cross through his death, his burial, and his, then his resurrection. And I had to trust that and that alone. I had, to, I had to turn from sin and turn to Jesus Christ and trust him and him alone alone. As my Savior. I knew those things. And then, fourthly, I knew, because of what the Bible said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so that day, I called out to God and asked him for mercy. And he gave me mercy, and he gave me eternal life. Afterwards, after I did that, after I obeyed God and trusted Christ as Savior, all of a sudden, I'm reading through my Bible and finding about all kinds of things that happened uh, when I trusted Him as Savior. Uh, I was amazed when I read that verse that that, that uh, uh, said, "You are bought with a price; therefore, glorify God in your spirit." Okay, Siri, you know I got this stupid thing off, and uh, I need to get a soundproof pocket. Is what I need to do. Every now and then she does that. I don't know what what in the world's going on, but anyway. Um, it's good for comic relief, and that's about all it's good for. But, uh, but, the, but the point is is that there were all kinds of things that happened. Uh, when, again, according to Ephesians 2, the day that a person trusts Christ, you're seated in heavenly places by Christ Jesus. Because you're placed into Christ, you are there already. You know, somebody says, if you are to die today, do you know for sure if you died to go to heaven? Yeah, because I'm already there. You say, wait a minute, what do you mean you're already there? Well, spiritually speaking, because Christ is in heaven, you're as good as there because you are in, spiritually, you're in Jesus Christ. Did I know any of those things the day that I trusted him as Savior? No, no, I didn't. I just knew what I was supposed to do. And that's the kind of attitude that Abraham had. When God told him to do something, he maybe didn't understand it all. He didn't have all of his questions answered. But he he knew that it was the right thing to do. You think about this. Abraham obeyed God when he didn't know where he was going. God did not give him a final destination. He did not know when God's promises would be fulfilled. And all of those promises had not been fulfilled even when Abraham died. He He trusted God that he was going to fulfill them. And then thirdly, uh, he did not know how, how God's will would be accomplished. In other words, what would be the method that God would use to accomplish his will? He did not know that. And he didn't know uh, why, why God was doing what he did. Well, he was, starting, he was starting the Jewish nation, and he made a promise. And he told him that uh, all of the nations of the world would be blessed because of his seed. Again, he didn't understand it, but he just simply obeyed it. And uh, he did what God told him to do. You know, uh, sometimes we, we really fail when it comes to training our children. Uh, when, when we, um, when we uh, tell them to do something and don't expect immediate obedience... And the reason why I say that is because if they, if if we cause them, if we give them reason to have to question us every time. We ask them to do something. What we're training them to do is to question God every time God asks them to do something. And uh, that's not a a good trait. You don't don't like when you tell somebody to do something uh, that you're an authority over. You don't like it when uh, they always have a better idea or have another thought. Well, it's the same way with us and God. When God tells us to do something, we just simply ought to obey God and do what he says. And that's exactly what, what uh, Abraham's attitude was. God told him to, to, to loose himself from his surroundings and to go into uh, and, fo- and follow him and follow his direction step by step and day by day. And that's exactly what he did. What what he surrendered when he did that was he surrendered his right to choose. And he did that based upon trust. Basically what he was saying was, he was saying, listen, God, you can make better choices than I can. And if you tell me to do something, whether I understand it or not, it makes no difference. You're smarter than I am. You care for me. I trust you. And so therefore I'll do what you ask me to to do. The second thing we see about uh, Abraham's faith was that uh, he uh, allowed God to lead. He allowed God to lead. Again, look in verse verse 8 again. It says, "...by faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place where he should after receive foreign inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went." God was the one who led him, who guided him, who directed him, uh, every step of the way. And he gave up his right to comfort to do that. He gave up his right to familiarity to do that. He was willing to walk into unchartered territory just simply because God told him to do it. Um, you know, there, there have been uh, many times and I was recounting some of them here over the last couple of weeks. There have been many times when, when God has, has uh, uh, given me orders to, to do something that I'm not familiar with, that I'm not comfortable with, uh, something that uh, is out of my so-called comfort zone. You know, that's really a good place to be. Because when you're out of your comfort zone, you can't trust yourself. You can't trust your own abilities. You just have to trust God, and it's good to do that. Uh, That's exactly what what Abraham did, and he just simply trusted the Lord. Uh, Whenever he did move from point A to point B when God told him to do so, he didn't set his tent pegs down very far, because uh, he knew that eventually he was going to be pulling those tent pegs up, and continuing to move. Uh, the Bible tells us over in First Peter chapter 2 and verse 11 that like him, we are strangers and we are pilgrims in this world. And we ought to not get too comfortable down here because uh, God will, will, will have things for us to do that, that may violate our comfort zone. And it doesn't even necessarily mean that you have to move geographical location. It just means doing things uh, because you know it's the will of the Lord to do them. Uh, Did did Abraham like the idea of leaving his home, of leaving the area he was familiar with, of leaving his family? Probably not. But understand this, that he just implicitly trusted his God. And I think that's really the the message of the life of Abraham, is that he just trusted God implicitly. And he knew that God loved him, and he knew God cared for him. And so therefore, if God was telling him to do something, that, that he, he knew what he was doing, God knew what he was doing, even if Abraham did not. And uh, uh, it, it's, it is so important for us to have that kind of a surrendered spirit when it comes to serving the Lord, being willing to do Whatever it is that God would have us to do, whether we're familiar with it, whether we're unfamiliar with it, whether we're comfortable or uncomfortable, uh, you know, God expects us just to be willing to trust him and to allow him to call the shots and to allow him to lead. I, I've said this for years, that uh, young people, when they're coming up in life, uh, you need to come to God with a blank check, not with something already filled out. And tell God that you'll do whatever it is that God would have you to do. You'll go wherever God would have you to go. When we raised our kids, uh, we didn't, honestly, we didn't really raise them for ourselves. We raised them to be used elsewhere. And, And God moved some of them elsewhere, and some of them he didn't. But, but uh, And there, were t- there are times when uh, some, of, some of the others have been close to home and sometimes they, they've moved out. Uh, makes no difference. I just want them to follow God and to follow his leading and to, to trust God, believing that God knows what he's doing and uh, they'll do whatever he asks them to do. Uh, again, that, that willingness to give up your comfort and that, like Abraham was, and to, that willingness to, to uh, uh, give up that which you're familiar with has got to be based upon trust. It's knowing that God knows best, and uh, uh, God makes no mistakes. Then the, the third thing that I see about, about Abraham being called a friend of God, look down in verse 17, and this is when things really shift quite a bit in the narrative. It's talking about Before, how that he was willing to go where God wanted him to go, God gave him a son and entrusted him with a son in his old age. And then in verse 17, it says this. It says, By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. That's telling us that uh, he, only, he, only had, he, he did have two sons, but he only had one son by the will of God, and that was Isaac, and that was the son of his old age. And he was willing to give up his son for a sacrifice. He was willing to surrender uh, his most choice possession, which was his son, in order to serve God. And he trusted God to do that. Um, you know, why, why, didn't, why didn't God ask for Ishmael? Ishmael was a son that he had by by his wife's handmaid. And he didn't ask him to to offer up uh, Ishmael. And uh, why? Well, because he knew that he wasn't the one that was the closest to his heart. He, he asked him to be willing to... to offer up that which was closest to him. There are going to be times in your life when God's going to ask you to sacrifice, to give up something or possibly someone that you love. And God doesn't do this to to be mean. He's not doing it to, to, to just simply see how much pressure you can take. But the Bible does say that it's a trial, that it's a test that he tried Abraham, and he tried his faith. Now, the, the end result is he was willing to, to sacrifice his son. He was going to sacrifice his son. And the Bible in the, in the New Testament, not in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, gives us a little peek inside of Abraham's heart. And, uh, and, and it says this in verse 17. It says, By faith Abraham... When he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that received the, promise, the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. And then verse 19 says, Accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a, fi- in a figure. Uh, what, he, what, what God's saying is that in his heart, he said, wait a minute. You gave me a promise, and that promise was directly connected to Isaac. Now you're asking me to sacrifice Isaac. And, and he meant a literal sacrifice, where he'd actually slay him on an altar and give him to God. And he said, But you made that promise, yet you're telling me to sacrifice him. There's only one conclusion that I can come to, and that's not that God is wrong. <laughs> But that his God is right, and if he's asking me to sacrifice him, then after I'm done sacrificing him, he will raise him up because my God is able. You know what that is? That's absolute, complete, total, implicit trust in God. And that's the, that's the, kind, of, that's the kind of faith and that's the kind of trust that Abraham had in his God. If, if God came along and asked you to give your choicest possession, whatever it might be, it could be a thing, it could be a person, it could be a place, are you willing to give up anything for your God? I think, I think there's actually a, a, a twofold thing that is, that is involved in, the, in that transaction that happened between Abraham and God. One is that he implicitly trusted him. But the second thing, I think, is, is without question. He loved him more than he loved Isaac. And that's really the issue. The issue is, is there, is there anything, anyone, any place that we love more than we love God? And God wants us to get to the place where we're willing to give up anything just in order to please him and to honor him and to, and, and to live for him and to serve him. That's exactly what, what uh, 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 Abraham did, and that was where Abraham's heart was. He surrendered his choicest possession, uh, willing to, to, to give up his choicest possession, so that he could, he could serve him. He was a friend of God, and he was a friend of God because he had faith, because he trusted God, he surrendered some things to God. He surrendered his right to choose his own path. He surrendered the right to comfort and familiarity. He surrendered his right to his choice's possession. And because of that, God said that he was a friend of God. Now, there's two questions I have for you this morning. Number one, before I ask you whether or not you're a friend of God, is number one, are you a child of God? Are you absolutely positive today that if you were to die, that you'd go to heaven? Do you know for a fact that your sins are forgiven and that uh, God is your father? Um, that happened for me when I was 17 years old. I trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, and I've already told you, I came to that realization that I was a sinner on my way to hell. And by the way, you can't, a person can't be saved until they understand that they're lost. They need to understand that they're lost and heading for hell and that their sin is taking them there, the lack of forgiveness thereof. And there's only one way you can get that forgiveness, and that's through Jesus Christ and what he did. The Bible says, not of works of righteousness that we have done, but according to his mercy that he saved us. In other words, it's what he did for us, not us. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. A gift is just simply something that one person pays the entire price for, offers to another person, and when the other person receives it, they receive it free from any personal cost. When a person trusts Christ as Savior, that's exactly the terms on which you need to come to, to him with is with the idea that he's done all the work. I can do nothing to deserve heaven. I can do nothing to, to deserve forgiveness of sins. And that he has done it all. Have you trusted Christ as Savior? Do you know for sure that if you die today, that you go to heaven? And secondly, are you a friend of God? Are you a friend of God? Uh, have you given up your right to choose your own path? And allowed God to make those choices. You know, and and again, um, in the life of Abraham, you know, we use the word surrender. I use the word surrender. Um, But I I don't know that there was a whole lot of tussling going on. I get the the impression that because he so implicitly trusted God, that when God said to do something, he just said, okay, okay. You know best. You know, are 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 you at that point where you realize that God knows best for you, and that uh, He has the right to choose where you go and what you do and how you serve? Uh, Does He have the 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 right to? remove you from a comfortable position to an uncomfortable position from a familiar position to an unfamiliar position again i don't think it was i don't think it was it was something that necessarily was the the thing that abraham wanted to do leaving his home and leaving his family going into the into the unknown going to a place where he, he did not know uh, the people and the places and the things and, and what he would be up against. But he was willing to do it for God, and he was willing to trust him. God just you know, just made it very, very plain that that's what he wanted him to do. And so he said yes. And then, of course, the last thing, he was willing to give up that which was so dear to his heart. I mean, this, this son was the son that he'd been waiting for his whole life. And God said, I want you to sacrifice him for me. And he, he, was, he had enough faith to be able to attach the, pro, the promises that God made to, well, and though he had never seen a resurrection, he said, you know, if God asks me to do this, then he must have in mind that he's going to raise him from the dead. And so he was willing to, to do and to give to God anything that he would ask of him. How about you? Are you, are, do, do you? Do you have that willingness to give up whatever it takes in order to serve and honor God? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heads bowed and eyes closed. No one looking around. Just a moment, we're going to give an invitation and give you an opportunity to respond to that which you've heard. But I want to ask you a couple of questions. Number one, Are you saved this morning? Do you know for sure that if you died today, that you go to heaven? Can you look back to a, a time in your life when you realized you were lost, you realized you were going to hell, you cried out to God for mercy in whatever way that you did, and you trusted him implicitly as your Savior? If you know for sure that you're saved this morning. I wonder if you might just with heads bowed and eyes closed, just raise your hand as a testimony of that fact. Say, Pastor, here's my hand. I know for sure I'm saved. All right, thank you. You can put your hands down. How many of you would be just as honest and say, Preacher, I'm not sure about that fact. Or maybe you just flat know that you're not. And you would like prayer this morning. And I, I won't point you out. I wouldn't embarrass you for the world. But just by an uplifted hand, I'll just recognize that it's up. And uh, I'll pray for you. Anyone like that here this morning? Say, Pastor, I don't know for sure. And I know it's the most important thing in my life. Would you please pray for me? Then you're here this morning and you're saved. All right, let me ask you this. Are you right now where you sit? Are you a friend of God? Now, now you know, God is your friend. There, there's no doubt about that. But are are you his? Have you given up that right to choose? Have you given up that right to comfort? Are you willing to give whatever it is that he might require of you because you love him and because you trust him? Father, our, our desire this morning is to be your friend. You've been our friend when you saved our soul. Those that have trusted you as Savior that are here this morning are saved because you gave yourself for them. You gave yourself for us. Lord, there's no greater friend than one who would lay down his life so that we might live. And that's exactly what you did. Lord, I pray for anyone that might be here this morning without Christ as Savior. May they see the enormity of their their position. May they understand how precarious of a position they're in. If they die without Jesus Christ, there is no second chance. For the Bible says, it's appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment. Father, I pray that... You might work in the hearts of any that might be here this morning without Christ as Savior. And may today be the day of their salvation. I pray, Lord, for those that are of us that are saved, if there's anything that we're holding on to because of a lack of trust, because of a lack of surrender, we pray that today would be the day we'd let go and let you have your way. Please have your way in this invitation and most of all, In our individual hearts. Speak to hearts this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'll stand together. Let's stand with heads bowed and eyes closed.